0: Liverpool 3 0. Call it, take it quickly. A yeah! 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 Unbelievable! <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. This week, I'm joined by James and Max as we discuss all the latest to do with Liverpool Football Club. And today, I'm afraid to say it's much of the same from the Reds. Um, two defeats in a row since we last spoke to you listeners, um, two 1 nil defeats, both to West London clubs at Anfield, to Chelsea and Fulham. Um I always say at the start of the show we're trying to be positive, but I feel like that's not worked so far, so we're just gonna go straight into it. James, can we use the word crisis now?
1: Yeah <laughs> um I don't like saying it, but yeah it's it's just shocking. um you just watched that Fulham game and there was just nothing. there was no fight there was just there was nothing there was little glimpses here and there of a bit of quality the shot from Joss of that. Um, Ariola saved but apart from that we look we do look like a relegation team at the moment and I saw somebody say on Twitter imagine if you put money on Liverpool at New year's to lose six home games in a run you would have been laughed out nobody would have nobody would have took your money but yeah it's it's definitely a crisis now I to be
2: honest I, I think we've been able to call it a crisis for about two weeks uh, like yeah like I was having a conversation with a few of my mates who support United And they were saying, oh, like, you know, like the players will turn it around, like, you know, your squad's too good to go on a really bad run. And I said, like, it's not like, you know, we're hitting the post or, you know, we're getting unlucky or things like that. It's not like that. Like, yeah, there have been a couple of bad decisions here and there, but there's been there's been no performances even the Spurs and West Ham games, like, yeah, we scored goals, but I don't think we played that well, particularly against West Ham, I don't think we played that well. Spurs, we played well, but that's the, I think that is the one good performance. I wouldn't even say, like, Leipzig, we played passively, but I, I would say Spurs is the only genuinely good performance that Liverpool have had since beating Crystal Palace um, 7-0, which, given that how long ago that was, is unreal to be honest like yes the injuries are bad but the injuries are not so bad that this is a run of form you would expect like this is still Mo Salah this is still Thiago this is still Sadio Mane what what is happening at Anfield at the moment is frankly unacceptable from a, a playing a coaching point of view it is ridiculous what is happening here and I think every I, I think fans have got every right to be angry at this point
0: yeah, completely agree. And it's like you say, in every game, particularly if we're talking about the last two fixtures spe- specifically, but in every single game where we're getting these negative results, we've des- we've very much deserved to lose. We've not been unfortunate. We've not, you know, had a hat load of chances that have just unfortunately, like you say, hit the bar or gone narrowly wide. We've been really, really poor. Fulham yesterday at the time of recording, we're recording on Monday, so literally it's very fresh in our mind. They Fulham were exceptional. It wasn't even like they came with a game plan and we fell into like fell into their trap. We were just so so far away from what you need to be to win a game of football in the Premier League. It was baffling. I mean, Fulham played really well, but they weren't outstanding. They were they were they were good. They did their jobs. They knew their roles, and they executed it very well. But they weren't you know amazing. It was just Liverpool again was so poor and one quote that I saw that came out of the game yesterday the immediate reaction was when Harrison Reid the Fulham midfielder was interviewed on on Sky Sports after the game he described it as Fulham wanted it more is do you think that that was the case yesterday James did Fulham want it more and if so how worrying is that?
1: I wouldn't like to say that the players didn't want it mentally but physically on the field they were just they were second to every loose ball they were all over the show, especially at the back with Reese Williams and Nico Williams playing alongside each other. I mean, that was just an accident waiting to happen yesterday. Man, um, I know Klopp came out pretty much after that Harrison Reed quote and said that, you know, he wouldn't say that Fulham wanted it more, but you could see the performance was there by them. And it's just worrying how below average Premier League teams are now coming to Anfield and outplaying us. You've got Fulham, West Brom, Brighton, Burnley, You know they're all fighting relegation, but they're all coming to Anfield and playing like they're in the top half. They're in the top six. It's really is a concern.
2: Yeah, I mean, what what is what is happening now is an insult. Like I I I actually (laughs) I think this is the first time in a long time I've genuinely been rather than just upset with the results, like genuinely pissed off with what I've been seeing on the pitch, like. I, I think part of it as well is that there was a period, I think, um, after Jurgen Klopp came in when there were accusations that we were too nice, that we weren't like, you know, uh, going down, we weren't playing, we weren't doing the dark arts, to be honest. And I think part of it as well is that every 50 50, Fulham won. Fulham would go into the tackle harder than the other person. Like I, saw, I saw a 50 50 with Navigator. Cater. In the, in the midfield. Now, I understand he's just come back from injury and he's a little bit nervy about, you know, coming back in. But he went into a 50-50 that any any grown man would go into, come out of it and be absolutely fine. And he just stood on the floor and Fulham had the ball. And then he just got up and got back involved in play belatedly. It's pathetic. I hate to go Roy Keane on it, <laughs> but... Um, but I just I want to see a bit more determination. But I like Jordan Henderson would not have allowed that on the field. I mean, like he's not the most talented player in our squad. He's a great player, but he's not he's not the most naturally talented. I'm sure he'd admit that. But he would not allow this sort of crap to be going on in the midfield. And I th- I think until Liverpool sort out the desire of it in the Premier League, then. I think we're only going to see this run of form instead.
0: Well, that's that. I think it's the most worrying thing. We all know the importance of Jordan Henderson in this team, in this midfield. We've been, you know, we're preaching to the choir telling Liverpool fans how important Jordan Henderson is, but the fact that he's not there doesn't mean you you expect a bit of a drop and perhaps in intensity, but this significant drop is extremely, just unacceptable. Like Max says there, it's not, there's no other word to explain it really. Um, We asked a few weeks ago on this podcast whether we thought mentally, whether it's to do with injury, whether it's to do with getting the monkey off our back of finally winning the league after that long, if mentally we'd dropped off in terms of determination, desire. And if that was the case at the time, I think we kind of summarised that. We didn't think that would be going on. And we certainly wouldn't think that Jürgen Klopp would allow that kind of thought processes to be happening. But... This run since then has continued. It showed no real sign of them. The winning at Sheffield United, which is was really the, is definitely the outlier. We didn't even play particularly well in that victory. So again, I guess it just that question comes up: Do we think whether it's due to the injuries or whether it's due to you know winning the league last year? Because Graham Unes on Sky yesterday was saying, winning the league once is not enough. You want to win it. Again and again and again. That's what the great team Liverpool teams of the 80s have done. That's what Ferguson's teams in the 90s have done, and obviously what Pep Guardiola's Man City teams have done in the most recent history. Do we think the dressing rooms become a bit complacent? It
1: looks like it. I wouldn't like to think. I wouldn't like to think it. Obviously, but it, it does look like it There's, I saw. I think it was a comment on Twitter. Where he said when Mane got the ball kicked at his head about six months ago, 18 months ago, there would have been a group of Liverpool players around the referee, swarming him saying, you need to have a look at that. I remember the yeah. uh, the Leicester game where, with Andrew Robertson and Ayose Perez, where they had a little bit of a disagreement at full-time or half-time, and a group of Liverpool players ran over to, to have the say to Perez, but with that man, and no one went near him. And no one went near it. Just Just carried on with the game. There's no there's no fight, there's no determination, there's nobody screaming at them. If they misplace a pass, it's sort of a a wincing smile when they give a ball away. It, it's it's just not it's just not acceptable.
2: I've gotta say I agree. Like for like what what Church did, and no one is gonna convince me that Kovacic didn't kick the ball at his head on purpose. Like he abs- he absolutely does. And he's he's being like he's being cheeky. He's he's glo- he's He's happy that he's um, on a winning side and he's, you know, taking the piss and for a Liverpool team to just let that happen and to show no fight, no, no outrage that it had happened, Even a bit of pride was terrifying to be honest. And also on the fact that we're, We're talking about the loss of Jordan Henderson here in terms of the press. What does that say mentally about the rest of the squad if Jordan Henderson is what is needed for the team to show a little bit of fight? Like we've got Andy Robertson giving, you know, platitudes in the media saying, you know, no, we weren't good enough and all and all of that. We got Ginny Wijnaldum and James Miller doing their social media posts. But it's all very well saying this. But then we get this same in net rubbish on the field constantly. Show a bit of desire. First thing I want to see against RB Leipzig, and again, I'm sorry to go all Roy Keane here, is someone go into a tackle and hit someone and actually show that you want to win. Show them that you want this more than they do. Because Harrison Reed was absolutely right. Fulham did want it more. That was plainly evident. And as soon as a little bit of adversity goes against this Liverpool team right now, they they just fade. They're like a bunch of shrinking violets compared to last year. And it, it's, it's unacceptable on every level.
0: Yeah, and I've seen some fans, you know, with the social media posts, we see those kind of PR curated copy and paste messages week in, week out with win, lose or drawback. I think recently they've came a, quite a bit more grating, particularly when You're not seeing a demonstratable change on the pitch. Like, I know some fans, if a player makes a mistake, they have this weird obsession with wanting an apology from the player. I don't want an apology from any player on social media saying, oh, we're sorry for this run of form. I want to see a demonstratable difference when they go into the next game and show that you want it, show that you mean it. Like, we've been with this Liverpool group now for three or four years, four or five years, some of them. And, you know, you can kind of say bona fidely most of these these players will go down as Liverpool legends what they achieved last season and we'll never forget that but that's gone now I know we never got to celebrate it properly but we can't dwell on the past which is obviously the cliche thing that Liverpool fans do according to rivals but we need going forward we need to show a bit of a bit of desire um, looking a bit more specifically at yesterday's game obviously it was a slightly Odd team selection, you may say. Maybe he's got one eye on, on the Champions League game. It's Leipzig in midweek. Who knows? Either way, it didn't work. Um, so the first kind of point on team selection really is you've got these guys like Kaita and Jota who've came back in after long spells um, out with injury. Milner's played. He's not played a great deal of football this season. Shakiri, similarly. And then obviously the back four was completely different. You expect these guys who are coming in who aren't playing a great deal of football Particularly James Milner, who's been, you know, a professional footballer for the best part of twenty years. You expect these players to come in and be like, right, this is my chance to shine. I'm not a regular. I'm not in the starting eleven very often. I'm getting an opportunity here. Take the opportunity.
1: Why are they not taking it? It's it's a frustrating question um, because, like you said, Kate has been out for so long. jota has been out for so long. Milner gets his minutes reduced season on season. Um, Nico Williams you know doesn't want to be as, as a young lad sat on the Liverpool bench hardly playing so you'd like to see that hunger in the fight from them but I just think making seven changes from the last from the last game for this one well, it, it's naive to think that you can just throw Reese Williams and Nico Williams into the team uh, and the likes of Jota who's been out for so long and Naby who's been out for so long and think that they're going to be the ones to stop the rut I, I, I just think that's very naive to go, right? Okay, I'll make seven changes. Most of the lads who haven't played much this season, but, you know, they'll do the job. It's very naive to think that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I look at Reese Williams and sorry, but he is not good enough. He is not even close to good enough for this Liverpool squad, let alone playing the first thing. The guy was playing at kidderminster in last year, for God's sake. I mean, like it's not his fault. He's a young kid, and you know he's he's not ready. And to be perfectly honest, I doubt he ever will be ready for this level. I like, just he doesn't have the. He's a big lad, but he just doesn't have the presence. He his technique is flawed at best. Um, his passing is inconsistent. His um, his tackling is worrying and he's slow as hell um, and he he might be fine at championship level like one day but he's not uh, it's not fair to throw a kid of his quality and his age into a Premier League match where he's defending against some good players and like yeah he had a good game against Spurs a, a, few, a few months back but that doesn't mean that he's good enough to play in this team consistently. And it's the like Nat Phillips, God bless it. He is he, a fighter. He is one guy who you can't say is lacking any desire. But again, he is not at the level that is required. And yes, it's down to the defensive injuries. But quite frankly, FSG should have pulled their finger out. As soon as January 1st popped around, they should have been signing a player. We've already heard that Doucette Kalatakar from Marseille, a deal was agreed that if Marseille could find a replacement, he would have come in. This is a guy who's played European football. This is a guy who is much more experienced than Ozan Kabak is. And the reason it didn't happen, by all reports, is that Liverpool left it too late and Marseille could not find a replacement um, for Kalatakar to leave. That, right there, is negligence of the highest order. I'm not an FSG out guy. I'm not. I understand the commercial uh, things they've done for Liverpool. And it's no coincidence that Liverpool's value has skyrocketed since they bought the club. But this is among a few of major, major mistakes that Fenway Sports Group has made since purchasing Liverpool and this could be from a financial point of view as well we're not even just talking on the pitch here this could be a disastrous decision from them and yeah something needs to change and if Liverpool
0: don't get in the top four as is looking less and less likely as every match week rolls on by they're missing out on Champions League prize money revenue every you know we know how lucrative the higher up you finish in the Premier League is so on that point kind of two questions I guess first of all as we stand now do we think that our top four chances are completely diminished there's obviously mathematically not but when you look at the games we've got left while you'd back Liverpool of last season to pick pick up maximum points in most of them what we've seen from the last six six games you would probably say more often than not we're going to drop points so is top four gone and if it is gone do we want to finish in the Europa League with, with all the kind of difficulties that that competition brings in terms of preparation, time, and travel?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say the top four is completely gone because I still think the sides around us are still as, not as inconsistent as us. But I don't think there is their squad depth is, is good enough for them to cause us to stop us from getting in there. If you know what I mean, I think if you look at Leicester they're really struggling now because they don't have Madison, Harvey Barnes. And I think we'll slowly see them fade away. And then I think it's just going to be a straight shootout between us, Everton, Spurs, and Leicester for that final spot. Um, I wouldn't say we can't get it, because you never say never, and you want to keep some sort of faith for the remaining games of the season. (laughs) But um, And then the second question, I, I don't want Europa League. If if we're not going to get Champions League, do not get Europa League because the last thing you want to be doing is flying to the other side of Europe in the Ukraine on Thursday night at eight o'clock and then you've got to fly all the way back to play potentially a big Premier League game on a Sunday and you just look at the teams who go into the Europa League, they never challenge for a title, they never look like challenging because that Thursday and the amount of journeys and how long it takes to qualify and how many games you've got to play, it just kills the squad. So, They can't get Champions League. I don't want any Europa League football. Yeah, see, it's tough for me. Um,
2: uh, On top four, I think that it's not gone. I don't think it will happen, but I don't think it's gone by any means. A lot of the teams who are, well, they're not in and around us anymore, they're above us, Um, are going to be having tough tough run-ins. Leicester in particular have got a horrific um, run-in. So these teams are going to be playing each other. They're going to be dropping points. Um, But I just don't see where a turnaround in form comes from. I'm not saying we're going to lose every game. We're not going to lose every game. We're going to win a couple of games. But I don't see where a turnaround in form comes from. In terms of the Europa League, uh, I I think we should, to be honest, because I think this team needs to get back into a winning habit. I think that if we are just completely out of Europe next year, then we will probably get top four. But to be honest, I think, I think top four next season is what we should be aiming for. I think that going for the title next season is going to be a long shot. Manchester City's team at this point is so, so much better than everyone else's in the league. It's actually silly how much better they are. Um, And at this point, what Liverpool need is a season of stability after this one. And I think that a run in the Europa League and top four is very, very achievable next season and could be a good way to set some foundations for success further down the line. And you can't tell me that even with this run of form, Liverpool in next year's Europa League is the absolute favourite to win that competition. Atletico Madrid, um, when they were winning Europa Leagues, were it was a fantastic way for them to improve their team. And also, it's a way for us to guarantee Champions League football. So, yeah, I, I think the Europa League, if we're in it, give it a shot.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens at the end of the season if we are in, in the Europa League and not the Champions League, what that does in terms of Liverpool's recruitment plan because I think this season if it's shown as anything is that the squad needs somewhat of a refresh new faces coming in, how big that refresh is and what form it takes remains to be seen but should Liverpool miss out on Champions League football as is looking more likely how much of an impact will that have on Liverpool's plans for this summer in terms of recruitment James do you think?
1: It's it's going to be huge Um Players these days, it's a short career. They want to play Champions League football season in, season out. Especially the top top players, and for Liverpool to get back to last season, it looks like this summer they're going to have to sign top top players. So if you don't get in the Champions League, obviously it, it, it's a massive dent to those to those um, those deals. But I guess the, what they will just have to do is pay over the odds for players. You know, I think we've seen the likes of Arsenal do it and United do it when they've missed out on Champions League, and it has backfired. But I think that's the only option the club have got now is to overpay on wages um, and overpay on transfer fees. But it's their own fault. This is the situation they've left themselves in. And the owners, uh, they've got nobody else to blame for themselves for not being able to sign players because of no Champions League football. I agree to an extent.
2: Um, I think the owners have got themselves to blame and there might have to be a bit of a premium. But to be honest, like, I, I, and I've said this before on podcasts, Kylian Mbappe, Erling Haaland, these players that have been banded about It doesn't matter if we won the Premier League, the Champions League, the FA Cup, every single trophy on offer this season. Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe are not being signed by Fenway Sports Group. Liverpool don't sign expensive ready-made stars. Sure, Thiago was signed from Bayern Munich, but he was signed for 20 million quid with a year left on his deal. I think that whether Liverpool get Champions League this season or not... If you're a if you're a player let's say who'samoa who um, from leon who has been heavily linked with Liverpool if you're him and let's say Leicester City get top 4 and they approach you and this Liverpool team under Jurgen Klopp approaches you what's the logical decision you're going to make the logical decision you're going to make is that yes Leicester City have got top 4 but Leicester City don't have the infrastructure that Liverpool do with all due respect to Brendan Rogers, they don't have the coach that Liverpool do. And despite the form that Liverpool are in, they don't have the squad that Liverpool does. Liverpool will, in all likelihood, get back into the top four next season. So I, I think that one season in the Europa League is not going to be too damaging if you're looking at players like Hussam uh Daniel Marlon, um, Dujeta, Kaletika. I I don't think that that it, that bracket of players is going to be too effective. If we were going after Haaland or Mbappe, then absolutely, Champions League football would be absolutely necessary. But I just I, I don't think, regardless of top four, any of those players would be coming to Anfield.
0: It would be interesting to see what happens with Haaland this summer, particularly because Dortmund looked like they could miss out on top four themselves. So it would be interesting to see whether he does move on this summer. 'Cause I think a lot of people in and around him are quite happy with him, you know, being at Dortmund and they see it as a good development plan. And mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes, we're planning another season at Dortmund. Um if they drop out of top four and a big off comes from somewhere from England or Spain, maybe that maybe that will change. Um another thing on this topic is that Jurgen Klopp's obviously been quite outspoken about this will not affect our summer recruitment plans. If a player only wants to play Champions League football, then he's not we don't want him at Liverpool anyway. And by the same token, if a player at Liverpool wants to leave because they want to play Champions League football, then again, we don't want them here. Um, so with that in mind, I'm guessing in terms of outgoings in the summer, we, if we don't miss out on top four, we shouldn't expect, you know, dramatic transfer requests from all the big stars or anything ridiculous like that, James. Uh,
1: no, I don't think we'll get that. I think as well, a lot of them are all tied to that, tied down to long-term deals anyway. Um and I think all the big teams now in Europe, look at Real Madrid and Barcelona, are really struggling. In fact, struggling financially. So um, I don't don't think we'll see anyone handing transfer requests. I think there'll be a lot of unhappy players that you know they haven't made it into the Champions League because obviously they set themselves goals and targets for the season. But yeah, I can't see I can't see many of them saying, "Oh, I want to leave because of Champions League football." I think the only one that's nailed on to leave is Wine I think that's an absolute guarantee that that's happening now, um, and then I can't I can't expect too many um, to really be handed in transfer requests. But yeah, it's just going to be a worrying summer, really, in terms of like you said, recruitment. You know, trying to bring the right kind of player with the right mentality of not be playing in a Champions League team if we miss out. So they're gonna gonna have the work cut out for them this summer.
2: Yeah, um, I think that. I mean, there's talk about Mo Salah being courted by, you know, who like Real Madrid or Barca or whatever. But who's gonna? Who, okay, you have Kylian Mbappe and Erling Haaland on the market who are scoring goals at a similar rate to Mo Salah. Mo Salah is in his late twenties. Those guys are young. You're gonna have to pay at least 130, 140 million, if not more, for Mo Salah. Um, from Liverpool. He's tied down to a contract. No release clause. Who is going to pay that money? The, uh, the answer is no one. Bayern don't spend like that. Real Madrid and Barcelona do not have the money right now. Juventus, maybe, if they got rid of Cristiano Ronaldo, might have that sort of PSG? money going around. PSG, maybe, but I think that would only happen if Kylian Mbappe or Erling Haaland left. Um I can't can't see, and they're going nowhere in England. So I I don't see who buys them. Like, they can kick up as much of a fuss as they like, but at the end of the day, they're under contract. And if there's one thing you can always guarantee about Michael Edwards' recruitment team is they get the price that they want. If he can sell Dominic Solanke for (laughs) 19 million quid, he can get well over triple figures for Mohamed Salah. Next up
0: for the Reds, it's um, a trip back to Budapest to play the second leg of the RB Leipzig Champions League round of 16 clash. Obviously, we've got a 2-0 lead going into this, two away goals as well, which is always handy to have in the back pocket. Um, how are we feeling about this one? Is it
1: a welcome distraction or we, we've got a more sense of dread after what i have seen this weekend? I'm trying to look at it more as a welcome distraction. Um, I think it did come at last time, the first leg. I think we were struggling in the league around about that time and then we go and get a 2-0 away win. Um it's not going to be anything like the first leg. I was surprised how poor Leipzig were, especially at the back, especially with the likes of Upper Mancano and Canate, They were they were really bad at the back. Um but going off current form, it won't surprise me if it goes the distance and they end up going to penalties because we're just mentally was not there at the moment, and I'm just really not looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, I wish I could add a layer of positivity to this, but I can't. Um I, yeah, I'm not looking forward to this game at all, to be honest. Um, We are going up against an informed Leipzig side. Uh, They've already shown that they can um, uh, change their colours against um, English teams. Manchester United absolutely destroyed them in one match in the group stage, and then Leipzig went and knocked them out of the competition in the next match. Um, Yeah, I just... (sighs) I I don't see Liverpool, um, I, I can't believe I'm saying this with two away goals, um, uh, but I can't see Liverpool winning the tie. I really can't, I, I, I think this has got extra time and then um, a Leipzig goal um, in extra time written all over it to win 3-0, I hate to say it, but that's what I think.
0: Well, fingers crossed that doesn't happen. Uh, all the listeners have just switched off. <laughs> no,
2: um, I sorry, think listeners.
0: It's hard because I always, I've been going through the same motions. I feel for the last kind of two months where we have a negative result for twenty-four or forty-eight hours. I'm in a bad mood about it, or I'm thinking, you know, annoyed. All these emotions that we've been going through, and then the next game comes, and I'm kind of like, okay, we've got the, you know, looking at the squad, looking who's back fit, knowing what the squad can do positivity might come, comes to me on match day and then it's like Groundhog Day and we've got the same same game again so I feel like by the time it comes around to kick off I might have convinced myself that this will be the game that sparks us back into life again but there's been no kind of <laughs> empirical evidence <laughs> to, to demonstrate that so far so I guess we just have to keep the faith and hope that something changes um, if we do go through let's say hypothetically let's say, say we go through as you know we do have the two-away goals, so you've got to say favourites to a degree, if not in form, but maybe in terms of how the tie is poised. Um, realistically, going forward, with all the fantastic teams that are left in the competition, Man City, PSG, uh, you know, Bayern Munich, who won it last year, realistically, can Liverpool win the Champions League this season? I'm just laughing saying the question, but... Yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, The correct answer would be no. But, and it's a big but, (laughs) I've seen worse teams than this Liverpool team. It was struggled worse than this Liverpool team. Go the the distance. Look at the Chelsea team under Di Matteo. They managed to get to the final and against all odds against Bayern Munich in their back guard, and they go and get the win. Um, Look at ourselves back in 2005. Finished fifth, finished out of the Champions League. And I don't know what, you know, whatever happened that night. <laughs> no one will ever know what actually what happened. But um, the correct answer is no. But it's knockout competition. You just never know. It's it's a look at the draw, really. I'm afraid I do know. Um, and that is that, no, we're not going to win the Champions League. Um,
2: um, <laughs> I'd just like to give a got, different I... opinion to Max. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clip that. Clip that. <laughs> um. No, James, I agree with you. Um, uh, worst teams on paper have absolutely won the Champions League. Like, uh, that, that 2005 side with the best one in the world was mostly average. Um, that Chelsea side was with the most uh, most positive thinking pretty average across the board, aside from you know Terry, Dropbox, Lampard, Jack, all that lot. Cole, actually, yeah, that was quite a good team. Um, <laughs> Matter, um, <laughs> Torres, um, Ramirez, yeah, God, that was a
1: decent team. Um, we're all just very, uh, they were all in like the yeah, 30s.
2: Yeah, that's true, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it could happen. It it could theoretically happen. Um, but I, ju- I just don't see it. Like, I, I just pray for the love of God that we don't play an English side in, yeah. the, um, in the next round if we do go through. I, th- I think playing a foreign side would actually help psychologically just because of how badly the team is doing in the Premier League. Um, if Chelsea can knock out Atletico Madrid and take them off the table, then all the better. Um, because I don't think there is any manager in the world right now who would love to play this Liverpool team more than Diego Simeone. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I think if we are going to play a team uh, in the next round and um, quite um, and win in the uh, next round, I think uh, the teams who are looking like they'll go through, I think Borussia Dortmund can be got at. Um, obviously Erling Haaland could just turn up, look at Ozan Kabak, giggle and score a hat-trick. Um, but yeah, I think Dortmund are beatable, but the rest of the sides who are left in the Champions League and look like they're going to go through, I just can't see us beating them, to be honest.
0: Um, so in terms of what we do from this point on for the rest of the season, obviously, fingers crossed, we go through on Wednesday night and we'll see what happens there. If we don't get in the top four, obviously winning the Champions League is the only route to it next season. In terms of our team selections in the Premier League, obviously the game we just, we just discussed, the Fulham game, there was a lot of changes, seven changes, particularly the back four was massively changed. So it seems that all of our attention is going to go on Europe if we go through on Wednesday night. That route, just kind of limiting yourself so you have to win it to be in it, it's very treacherous, isn't it, James? It's very, it's very difficult.
1: Yeah, I think the words to describe it the best is naive to think that, oh, we'll just go and win the biggest cup competition in the world to try and get into the top four. Um, I think Klopp has form of this, though. Um, In the Europa League, he just completely disregarded first season to try and qualify for the Champions League in the top four. He started dropping players and started to put all his eggs into the basket of the League, and obviously we get to the final and lose it. So I think, like you said, the squad selection tells you everything you need to know. But again, it's very, very naive. Yeah,
2: Um, I think that putting all your eggs in one basket to win the Champions League is a very, very silly idea. Considering that Liverpool are arguably right now the worst team left in the competition based on form, um, you have to... um, you have to think that it's a naive decision to um, to just think that. I mean, like, God, Manchester City have have never won the competition in their history. Juventus have been trying to win an, uh, another Champions League since the nineties. Like, like just saying, oh yeah, we'll win the Champions League to qualify is a hopelessly naive thing to um, to say. Like, yes, yes, theoretically um it's a knockout competition we've seen weird stuff happen in it before but we've also seen Real Madrid absolutely dominate it um we've seen Milan dominate like more often than not the cream does rise to the top and right now Liverpool sure as hell is not the cream in terms of this tie itself
0: then guys um obviously it's a little bit of a strange one. so going back to be the past due to COVID restrictions which means that um Leipzig couldn't come to England um to quarantine and reasons getting back into Germany. I believe that's that's the reason. Um that being said, do you think for ties like this, this is kind of more of a structural question around the make of the Champions League this season? Does it kind of seem a bit unfair to have away goals in this this tie, particularly in isolation? Because I know we already have two away goals in the back pocket, so it's worked in our favour in that sense. But it does seem a little bit harsh, you know, an English team scores against a German team in Hungary and you get an away goal for it, and vice versa, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I think the UEFA have sort of missed a trick with obviously the situation that Europe's in the moment and, and the world. I think if you look back to last year, they had the tournament in Portugal in August. Now, I know they can't do that because of the Euros, etc., and they've got to be in time with that. But that was just a straight one game, knockout competition. You win on the day, you go through. And I think they should have done that this year. Especially with other countries now are saying, listen, you need to quarantine before you come in and you need to quarantine before you go back. So I just think it's added a a huge fiasco to it. And like you said, you know, England team playing a German team playing in Hungary and it's whoever scores the most goals in Hungary. On the, for the away goal, so yeah, I think I think they've missed a trick. It should have just been a one-legged game.
2: Yeah, I I completely agree. Uh, I think that I think last season's Champions League knockouts um, with the one match format in Portugal, I think it was tremendous. I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> I just realised how popular I, I think it was <laughs> tremendously exciting. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, like the first leg is. Don't get me wrong. Uh, like the two-legged system is fun, but whenever there's a first leg result, unless it's an absolute thrash, you just think, "Oh, it's all right. The second leg's to come." But in in that format, there were no second chances. You perform badly, you're out. And I really liked that format, and I think they could have gone with it this season. And I think they could have experimented with just going that way from uh from now on but obviously it's difficult to do that with the fact that you want to sell home tickets and away tickets and stuff like that so we'll we'll never happen but um yeah I I think the one-legged thing for this season particularly with no fans would have been fantastic
0: yeah, I think financially UEFA would never go for it, would they? We know there's one thing we know about the football authorities of FIFA and UEFA is that they will do whatever <laughs> gives them the maximum profit. So I think that's obviously a big part of it. But I completely agree. I thought in Lisbon last year, particularly when the games were kind of like every day, you have the quarterfinals, semifinals, then the, the final after a little bit. We got like it was relentless. You had like a week of football. It was like a mini international tournament almost, wasn't it? It was it was really enjoyable. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens in Champions League this week. But then after that, we've got a bit of a break um, for our next game away at Wolves, which is on the Monday, Monday night football next Monday. Um, a game not at Anfield, guys. Thank goodness for that. So <laughs> I think obviously this season we've learned how big and contribution the fans make at Anfield. For whenever the rival fans kind of say, "Oh, the Anfield atmosphere is a myth," I I think this has this COVID pandemic, if it's shown anything, that is absolutely not the case. Saying that, while I think obviously the Anfield atmosphere and the whole Anfield aura is massive and a massive part of what we do as a football club, we can't blame that solely on what's been going on lately, Cam James.
1: No, I don't think we can. Um, I think it's just another excuse, if you want to call it, for how they've played this season but it does look like our best performances have come away from home this season. So the Crystal Palace, 7-0, West Ham, Tottenham, um, Everton away in the derby, Chelsea away at Stamford Bridge. There is a correlation between not playing at home with no fans compared to playing away from home. And I I can't describe why or give a reason, but that just looks to be what's going on at the moment. But I'm, You know This Wolves team, five at the back, they they tend to play and very sturdy with Conor Cody at the back lead in the line. So it's not going to be easy against them either.
2: Yeah. Um, I I think we can see the way that this is going to go. Um, Wolves are going to sit deep, five at the back, very well coached, very well drilled. I wouldn't be surprised to see a 5-3-2 up against Pedro Neto and Adama Traore as wide strikers hit the ball in behind fullbacks, watch us try desperately um, and ultimately fail to defend against the long balls in behind. Um, Wolves have not been too crash hot um, in terms of their form. Uh, against Man City, they did impress me for a little while, but I mean, Man City, are just they're incredible at the moment. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Liverpool get a point um, I, I don't think there's Wolves' side uh, um, uh, the team who's going to come out and dominate um, if they can limit Wolves' counterattacks, then I think a point is certainly achievable I can't believe I'm talking about a point being achievable against Wolverhampton Wanderers but here we are um, yeah, I think being away from Anfield as well will lift some of the pressure off and Please, God, let us see a uh, more convincing performance than what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. In terms of team selection, obviously it's a little bit
0: difficult with a game so far away, but we didn't really talk about it in, ter- in Leipzig. Let's kind of concentrate at the front end of the pitch because the defence kind of picks itself because there's so few of them. Um, is Jota a guy who we're going to be wanting starting more often than not at the moment? And if so, who's going to be dropping out from that front three?
1: Yeah, I think going off Jota's fall before this injury, you know, we were all talking about it, especially after Atlanta game in the Champions League, that Firmino's place was really under threat in this starting eleven, And I know there was a section of a few of the Liverpool fans, especially on social media, saying they wanted a front three of Jota Mane um, and Salah to be the front three. I think that's the way it'll go. I just, like we, I think we spoke about it the other week. Firmino is just, it's, I, I, I have no way to describe the drop, the drop off from him, especially over the last two seasons, but especially this one. He's he's just he's just missing chances, uh, left, right, and centre. So, I think if you go with Jota, Mane and Salah, I think we have a better chance of scoring goals. But it wouldn't surprise me if all four of them started, um, just to try and get some more fire firepower onto the pitch, try and get as much as you can.
2: Yeah, I I would actually quite like to see us um, switch out of a four three three. I know I've been saying this for a little while now. Um, I think that with Jota back, I think a narrow four four two, not a diamond, but two sort of inside attacking midfielders rather than two wingers, um, would actually suit the system we have quite well. Uh, you could play kids Kater and Fabinho or or. Um, Thiago and Fabinho, uh, whichever one you preferred, as deep line two, uh, then you could play Bobby and Mane um, as the white, the sort of narrow attacking midfielders behind Salah and Jota. I think that given that RB Leipzig play three at the back and they like to sort of bat their defenders in individual battles, I think that could work quite well for Liverpool. Going forward, and it would also mean that we can start a little bit deeper. Um, I've seen a lot of Twitter conversations um, saying that dropping the the defensive line isn't um, the cure-all, but if we drop the whole team back five yards, ten yards or so, and try and give our forwards a little bit more space to go into, I think at this point is much better than playing the 4-3-3 and just playing the ball around in front of the defence and then hoping to God that a cross um, works out, which is what we've been doing mostly on attack in the last couple of weeks. Yeah,
0: and absolutely, the you know... We've been doing the same thing for the last two months and it's not worked. So if we do something else, you know, try something different and it doesn't work, the end result is still going to be the same. So we may as well give something different a go rather than just persevering with something that's, you know, clearly not been working very well for the last... However long, and I think with the high line as well, particularly like you, without Gomez and Van Dijk in there, you you really leave yourself vulnerable. I think. I think the amount of times Kabak particularly has struggled with adapting. I think Reece Williams on the weekend, Nico Williams on the weekend as well, from the, from the fullback perspective, just get, to give these guys a bit more support, I think it would um, and make us look a little bit more because I mean, defensively we've not been <laughs> weirdly we've not obviously not been terrible. We've, we've been losing games one nil, not been conceding tons and tons of goals. So. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we do tactically in the next next couple of games. Before we leave, I think it would be a misfit not to address some of the nonsense that we've seen on social media in the, over the last 24 hours uh, or so. Um, thankfully, I don't think I, me personally on my own Twitter timeline have seen a great deal of it, but maybe I've had a better time um, in choosing who I follow a bit more carefully than some of the full fans because there has been a few whispers, maybe it's more from rival fans, but a few whispers of, you know, clop out chat. Um, which I'd obviously be completely against. And I don't think I'm, you know, speak, don't want to put words in your mouth, guys, but I think all of us here at Anfield Central think that is absolutely nonsensical to even suggest at the moment. He's not infallible. He's not immune to criticism. But we know, you know, he's the guy that's got us this far. We can't be, we're not turning against him, Mauro James. We just can't be doing that.
1: No, I think it's ridiculous. I've, I've seen the same sorts of stuff all over social media. Yeah. Um... Listen, the guy has come and won a Champions League, a Super Cup, uh, World Club Cup, and the Champions League. Somebody like that, you don't just throw away and say, oh, just, you know, we'll just get somebody else in. This guy has brought a first league title for for generations. You know what I mean? I never saw it. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, I'm 26. So, um, he's brought some of the best memories that I've got as a supporter. Um, and I just think if you just get rid of him, you know, who'd you bring in? If, if someone could give a good argument for who they bring in, you'd be able to listen to it a little bit more. But it's just nonsense. It is complete and utter nonsense.
2: I understand the emotional reaction after a game. Like, you know, you think about all the form that's happened, you're upset, and you, and you say, right, he's got to go. He's had... He's had too many chances. But if you actually think about it logically, as James said, who are you gonna bring in? Yeah. Like seriously, who 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 is an upgrade on Jurgen Klopp? The only person you could argue at this point is probably Pep Guardiola. Other than that, there there is no upgrade as far as I'm concerned. There is only down. And think of it this way. Okay, so let's say we miss out on top four, right? And Jurgen Klopp gets fired. What is going to happen is you're going to have an unhappy squad. You're going to have a bunch of players who are playing in the Europa League when they want to be playing in the Champions League. You're going to have a new manager who probably hasn't managed in England before. I would suspect it would be Allegri who comes in, or maybe Gerard. Um, You are going to have someone who doesn't know the club, who doesn't know the squad that they're having. And you're going to be exactly the same predicament as you are with Jurgen Klopp, who has proven himself. Over the last three seasons, to be one of the top two, as far as I'm concerned, managers on the planet. So it's just a completely nonsensical idea to get rid of him. If you want to get rid of anyone, get rid of a couple of the players who are who are severely underperforming. Like that, there, there is a case for Roberto Firmino to um, to leave the club, but there is certainly not one for Jurgen Klopp to leave the club and it's madness if outside of just a silly emotional reaction, you think that is the case?
0: Yeah, completely agree. And I think we've seen before when he obviously left Borussia Dortmund, form kind of dropped for them when he left. Um, I actually think it was a little bit of the reverse of what we're seeing now when he left Dortmund. I think they started the season really poorly and they did kind of galvanise a little bit after Christmas and ended up finishing around fifth or sixth. Um, But... The Bruce Dortmund kind of hierarchy have said since he left it was the wrong decision maybe we should have looked at getting rid of some of the players rather than the coach so I think he's just such a symbol of everything that's been good about Liverpool over the last few years, it's not just him in a footballing sense I think him as a person you know, he aligns very well with Liverpool kind of socially and politically as well as all of the fantastic sporting and prowess that he's brought to the club so Yeah, I think all of us at Anfield Central are on the same page with that one. And that brings us to the end of this week's Anfield Central podcast. James, Max, thank you as always for your company. Always a pleasure, my friend. And we'll be back next week, hopefully with some (laughs) good news. We'll be uh, reviewing what's happened in the Champions League, um, as well as looking at what's happened against Wolves. And then I think we've got an international break soon, so we'll kind of be discussing all things around that as well. Um, But until then, you can still get loads of content from Unfield Central online, unfieldcentral.co.uk, on Twitter at unfield underscore central, and our podcast is out on Acast and Apple Pods. So until next week, thank you very much for listening.